what you're saying is if all alternate universes have dirigibles and, and like war dirigibles and things like that, we're the only universe that doesn't have prominent dirigibles and blimps for transported war. We're the only universe that isn't steampunk. We We're the- landed in the one, which is means uh, as terrifying as it is to contemplate, we're actually in the best possible timeline right now. Welcome, Mega Faithful Congregation, to this, the fourth reading from the Book of Mega Drive. This week's reading is Bonanza Brothers. This is a very special episode because instead of voting on a random selection of Genesis games, this week I asked everyone who's been on the podcast so far what game they would talk about if they could pick whatever Sega game they wanted to talk about that was on a Sega system. And uh, then I randomly picked one of them, and that was Vassalcania. And they decided it's going to be Bonanza Brothers. So today's episode is Bonanza Brothers. With me to explore Vassalcania's excellent choice with me today are... Uh, And on the eighth day... Shrug's framing story was rewritten by Sega of America to be more appropriate for uh, younger United States game players. That's me, I'm Shrug. I don't have a fun gimmick this week. There's 106 miles to Chicago. We've got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark out, and we're wearing sunglasses. Let's podcast. Oh, fuck, goddammit, no, no, fuck. These are the wrong brothers, shit. Hi, I'm Ramona. This is Bonanza Brothers. <laughs> Hi. I have no legs and I must feet. I'm Rudy. Hi. I was just reading all about how Andrew Luck retired from the Colts, and I'm really just, I'm proud of somebody for just saying to the NFL, fuck you. This is my body, and you don't get to destroy it. I'm going to live the rest of my life with these millions of dollars that you gave me. I'm Vassal Kenya. I picked Bonanza Brothers, and to be completely honest, I don't have much to say about it. So, yeah, uh, all of us together are going to explore four increasingly challenging zones. Uh, Blast Zone, Fantasy Zone, Labyrinth Zone, and Death Egg Zone. First up, as always, is the Blast Zone! Music here, blast some music here. Twenty minute cast. Blast <laughs> it. Here in the blast zone, we talk about uh, the gameplay part of the game. Uh, you know, just the mechanics, the 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 feel of the game, controls, that kind of stuff. Things that are provided, as always, by the bounty of the blast processing of the Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive, depending on your region of choice. So to give a little intro spiel to Bonanza Brothers, this is a semi-stealth-based, like, arcade game? I think it could arguably be called a maze game in, in the broader parlance of games, but as opposed to being overhead, it's side-scrolling. 
you play one of two brothers, Mobo and Robo. I don't remember what their names are in America. They're Mobo and Robo to me. They have to steal a number of items from a number of facilities run apparently by some kind of crime syndicate. So it's like good thieves versus evil thieves. Except sometimes it's not. We'll get into that in Fantasy Zone. The levels play out in a kind of distinct fashion. You can move left to right, and you can jump, and you have a stun gun that lets you stun people. You're trying to get all of these items with as little friction as possible. So you don't want to be seen by guards. You want to stun guards if they do see you for some reason. Even though there's a jump button, there's very little conventional platforming in this game. The jump is mostly used as an evasive technique or a way of getting over certain obstacles, which we'll get into more. It is side-scrolling, but you it has two sort of planes, a foreground and a background, and you can move between them. And you can also uh, hide behind certain elements of the background in this game and hopefully not be seen by guards, which definitely 100% always works and definitely always makes sense. There's a lot more details to it, but I think we should just describe the game because we're real. We will describe literally every game mechanic in this game in this segment. I have full faith. This you always have three minutes. That is also true. You have three minutes. Three minutes. That's it. Yeah. In theory, I ask everybody to play an hour of the game, but I know probably nobody did because you can finish play through the entire game in 15, 20 minutes, and maybe you played more than that. So like. When you started playing this game, what was the first thing that, like, jumped out at you when you started playing it? I immediately thought of all of the modern... Okay, there's Deadbolt, which is not the most popular example of these games. But there are several side-scrolling, borderline, one-shot, one-kill, stealth-slash-action, go-through-the-structure, using your moveset to eliminate all of the enemies games oh, like that are gunpoint. floating right now. Yeah, Gunpoint. Uh, there's one that I believe Sage Grimm has been speedrunning, whose title is escaping me at the moment. Sage Grimm is a poster on the select button forums. Yes, uh, that has a ninja theme to it. It immediately reminded, it reminded me of those, except what if the Blackthorn... It was kind of built around the Blackthorn background ducking, but not a toggle, and enemies can follow you, and it's awkward and sloppy, and... And by background ducking, you mean, yeah, there's there's the two planes, and when you're in the far plane farther away from the camera, I guess is the term, the background plane, yeah, you can... You can stick up yeah. against walls and things. In in Blackthorn, you can hold a button to sort of duck into the background and enemies can't. It's a way of taking cover. In this, you can very freely move into the background. And while you're in the background, oftentimes it's just an alcove, but sometimes there's long, longer stretches where you can move along in that plane. And unlike in Blackthorn... Enemies can follow you and beat you or shoot you while you are in the background plane. It's not just a hiding spot. So it's more complex and more finicky and sloppier. Just sloppier. So, okay, I just want to say, I picked this game having never played it and not really knowing what it was about. <laughs> For reasons I'll get into later. Um, but, yeah, I was... I was just shocked by how slight the game is in general. Like I was like, Oh, that's it. 
you know? And I did think that, I don't know, just everything felt a little sticky, a little hard to pull off. Playing the Mega Drive version first and then playing the arcade version, the arcade version is a much smoother, better experience for multiple reasons, which again, we'll get into. But yeah, I was just kind of like, oh, wow, I guess that's it for this game, huh? That's all That's all we're doing? Okay, cool. <laughs> My first impressions when I played this game, I was like eight years old at the time. I guess the initial reaction of like, whoa, this is different. This isn't like uh, playing Contra. This is different. And it took me a little while to get used to because it wasn't like stealth. These games were really a thing at that point. But I eventually did get used to it. But now playing it as uh, an adult, it kind of reminds me of another Sega game. Um, we, we briefly mentioned it on the last episode. It reminds me uh, of Crackdown in some ways, in the sense of avoiding um, enemy line of sight, sneaking up on them, uh, taking them out, uh, and then moving to the goal. And it's just a very unique title, even today when, like, Every game is like driven from like Metal Gear and shit like that to have something like Bonanza Brothers, which is still like good and cool. And I, I hope I'm making sense. You you are. It, basically, this game rules is what I'm trying to get at. I agree, but I only agree with that because I played versions that weren't the Mega Drive version. Oh man, you're gonna hate me later then. <laughs> Like, it's not even so much a stealth game as it is a AI manipulation game. It's a kiting game, finally. Because you have to do everything really fast, and you really can't. They put you in situations where you just have to get people's attention and get them to do crap. It's like the... It's a super arcade game, because the game has a very specific set of rules that it's going by, and it's saying, you have to figure these out, or you're going to be constantly getting like uh, nightstick shoved up your ass or bullets in the back of your head. Eventually, you start learning weird, wacky tricks, which seem totally intentional. You know, a lot of weird shit having to do with like plane switching because they have to do it too. They would try to follow you and other weird shit. It seems very much an arcade game first, and then the kind of the issue with like any other version is like, well, how well is it replicating the arcade version? It's like there's a dude all done up in SWAT gear with a riot shield and you can only stun them from the back. As soon as they see you, they get all aggro and will uh, doggedly pursue you a little bit faster than you can move. So there are sections of the levels in this very short game where you really have to move very specifically to manipulate how they move between the two planes so that you can evade them. Yeah, so you can dodge them in the very limited amount of space they have. Manipulating these big weird dudes with shields so you can either just avoid them or shoot them in the back. And that's not strictly explained to you or it might not be obvious. Probably because it was originally designed to get your quarters, but it ends up being mechanically interesting. And stairs, they also lose you if you use stairs. People don't know what stairs are. Sometimes. Bro, sometimes. I warned you about stairs. I warned sometimes. you. Sometimes they just go like, oh, 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 there's stairs here and I can still see you. I'm going to shove this in your eye. 
Yeah, if you get if you get them off the screen, if if nobody, what's wrong with my brain? Don't even fix it in post. Make shrug. I'm ready to shame. take over for any time. Okay. I'm just been patient with you. <laughs> yeah, I just I just I just want to say. Uh, You're gonna take a break and then come back when you have your point. <laughs> we're gonna reach over for the tag. Reach over for the tag. I wanted to say, as soon as you move, as soon as they're off the screen, they fucking reset. But if you're not too far ahead of them, they will follow you upstairs. I have had them follow me upstairs and murder me. There, that's what my brain got stuck on. That tiny little thing. That's what's going on up there. <laughs> That's what's going on in my head. That's just a tiny thought that my tongue just couldn't get around. <laughs> yes, drug. Yeah, yep. love you, buddy. But I had to. I had to. I couldn't let it go. I couldn't let you talk. I could never let you talk. <laughs> I'll never <laughs> let go of this button. I know that's our rule in in podcasting is you can't. I will let never let anyone talk. talk. <laughs> Rudy, uh, let's take the tag, Rudy. All right, I I have the conk. So um, I want to take issue with you, com- you you introducing this game as it's only 30 minutes because, well, that's an excellent link for arcade games, much like a shooter. And like Bob said, this game is about, theoretically, it's about uh, playing the game over and over again to uh, gain mastery. And I think that is possible, but, um, well, I'll get to that in the Death Egg, uh, what I actually thought about that. What 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 did strike out to me is is for years this game was like my punchline for bad Sega games. Like this is the stuff that Sega does is bad. And I was wrong because this is cute and good. And it's about well, we'll get to what it's about in a little bit. Are you trying to are you trying to say you'd rather have Bonanza Brothers on the on the Genesis Mini than Virtual Fighter 2? Yes? That's not, <laughs> is that a is that a question? <laughs> a yes for me too. I, I, this is the kind of game, like, the more I've been thinking about it, like, I would have liked this game in two different situations. If I'd had it when I was a kid and I had a lot of time to invest in it, especially if I was playing it with my sister, if I could get her to do that. Because even though it is a short game, like Rudy said, it's an arcade game and, um, that you definitely get a lot of benefit from repetition. The other way I would have liked this would be if it was in, like if they had like okay when i worked at direct tv they had an, a couple of arcade machines in one of the lunchrooms um and it had it was one of those like multi-game things that had a bunch of games on it and uh it would have been awesome to play two brother or two player bonanza brothers with somebody like in 15 minute chunks but every day and get really good at playing this game i and i think that that's where it's interesting i think this game benefits from mastery and it benefits from co-op and i don't really do either of those things anymore i don't master games anymore because i have too many games to play and i you know it's hard to set up co-op with an old arcade game unless you're physically in the same room with somebody like it's kind of a pain in the ass yeah it's interesting it's it it it's not for me now and it could have been for me at another time i am 100 percent convinced that if i were to play this game with another person i would want to kill them in five minutes that's just true of every game bob for you <laughs> I, I am a team player. Thank you very much. Okay, so for both of your points, like that, that did want to point that when you're bringing up the game, the fact that it's that it's always split screen, which I which bears mentioning because I know I have at least one friend who cannot play split screen without getting a migraine. 
the double images messes with the brain. But that that it's always split screen. It's always enticing you to say, hey, you can have another person and they can be somewhere else, which is very thoughtful and nice. Yeah, that's the next logical place to go here. This is a co-op game and it is built around the conceit of being a co-op game. The game, once you've got two people who totally know what they're doing and don't have to play it over a really laggy internet connection. I'm sorry, I think that was my connection, Kania, when we were playing co-op. I am not wired, I am completely wireless, and my Comcast sucks. But As you do on a normal Genesis. As I do on a normal <laughs> Genesis. The Genesis had online play. It totally did. Look it up. SegaNet, and somebody just started it up again. We, that's how we did that's, it. That's the Dreamcast. You're thinking of X-Band. X-Band. And Sega Channel. And Sega Channel. Well, Sega Channel didn't have online play, did it? No, but that is where I first played Bonanza Brothers. I'm getting you off point deliberately. Go ahead. <laughs> I think if it's, I think that that's all labyrinth stuff. But um, the thing I found is, yeah, this is a game. As mentioned, it's about manipulating uh, the enemies. It's about manipulating how they behave. It's about manipulating their actions because they will chase after you if they see you. They have big heads that turn left and right, and you can see with their big cartoony noses and their their glasses and stuff what direction they're they're looking in. And when they're looking in your direction, they'll chase you. But the thing is, they'll chase either of you and ignore the other one. So you can set up situations that are impossible to set up in single player by having both players be constantly kiting and drawing attention from guards so the other player can get treasure the other one normally couldn't. And you probably could screw over another player while playing this game, but I don't really think you can. Not like in a lot of the Mario co-op games where there's like a ton of active stuff you could do. It's really good. I I had a chance to play this with a a friend who was in the room on my Sega Genesis and not over X-Band or whatever. And uh, it it was super responsive when there wasn't a ton of slowdown from the fact that the Genesis couldn't handle all of the sprites all at the same time. But just, there were so many cool moments where it was like, hey, you go over there and grab the gold bars and, uh, and stun the SWAT guy in the back and I'll come over through the other angle and then we'll both get on the Zeppelin at the end of the level. And, and it was really, really cool in the moments it was working. And that seems really cool up until the levels start becoming increasingly linear and there's really only one sort of path you have to go in the amount of time you're allotted. I think it's interesting because, Bob, to your point, I do feel like some of the later levels are weirdly linear. I think that there are ways of going about it that aren't so linear, though, that are hard to see unless you're playing two-player, right? Because if you're doing it single-player, that three-minute time limit is pretty harsh. Um, but I think the levels are actually pretty thoughtfully designed for co-op, especially like because they introduce separate different concepts to you at different times. Like the level with the zip line is very much about like, okay, there are two distinct paths here and they only really make sense when you have two players. But then there, the I think the bank level, no, the mint, sorry. Uh, the mint has a room where all of the guards, there's like three shield guards and if you were to distract them from one side and shoot them from the other side it you it would be awesome 
Um, so it's like teaching you that you can do those kinds of things where you can move uh, enemies around and, and to the advantage of the other person. But yeah, I, I thought it was pretty thoughtfully designed for co-op for the most part. I could see how the levels were built for that. And it was to the detriment of playing it by oneself, I feel like. It's very much the Bonanza Brothers for a reason. Unlike the Mario Brothers, in which there is one superior brother and the other one is completely Luigi. redundant. Yes, yeah. yes, thank yeah, you. Luigi, Luigi has a higher jump, and he does that kind of hover thing, so landing stuff, nailing landings is way easier. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Luigi's the better brother of the two, and Mario is probably a traditional Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> They're related. I, I would imagine they were both baptized and belong to the church. Oh, but Luigi's lapsed, though. Luigi's Luigi's just a chill bro. Okay, all Catholics are lapsed. They just Mario's not tradcats. <laughs> Luigi's met a ghost, okay? <laughs> Mario was a holy ghost. ghost. What are you talking about? He, Mario, he was a ghost. Mario has rejected Vatican II. Mario goes to fucking Mel Gibson's church. They do <laughs> where they do all of where they do all of the, the mass in Latin. Hey, hey Tigress, uh, what do you think about the what do you think Bonanza Brothers religion are, huh? You know, on the uh, Sega the cast? On the Sega cast? Yes, okay, so the Bonanza <laughs> Brothers, um what religion are the Bonanza Brothers? Honestly, I think I th okay, here's the thing. I think the tall one is a new atheist and the short one is an agnostic humanist. Oh, I just straight up think they're both atheists. They look like they'll get into a Twitter fight and quote Richard Dawkins at you. I think they're both agnostic because they're thieves, so they always think they have to they have to have a certain belief in, in mysticism, at least in terms of luck. They're like Neil deGrasse Tyson. Every time someone like says a thing, he has to come in and say, Well, actually no. Uh here's what I think about your fake God and also here's why science rules. They're Christian libertarians. <laughs> That's the answer, obviously. No, they're no the 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 they're freaking anarchists, so they can't be. I think, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, it is true. Yeah, I don't think they're libertarians necessarily because, like, yeah, they do not trust, like, they do not believe in property rights. Yeah, so they're they're it's a little more anarchy than libertarian. Um, shit, right? Please don't be tankies, Bonanza Brothers. They're anarcho-libertarians. <laughs> Yay! They exist. <laughs> Before we go to the next category, there were a couple of things I forgot to bring up, if that is okay. Go for it. I had a couple things, too. Let's see if they're the same things, and if they're not, I'll follow you up. Something I noticed, like, between the two uh, versions of the game, like Mega Drive and Arcade, is that the Arcade does feel more like a traditional shooter, but with the ability to go behind walls and having to pick up items before reaching the goal. And as such, like, it has like the aggressive AI that follows you everywhere. Whereas like the Mega Drive port, there aren't as many enemies. They're not nearly as aggressive. And um, it's just because of that, it feels like it's more of a heist rather than a shootout, which feels appropriate for the game. And that's why I prefer that version. Oh, also uh, earlier when you were asking what Robo and Movo were called, uh, when they were brought over to the US, they had their names changed to Pocky and Rocky. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, that's kind of the game. You run around and you try not to get caught and you steal stuff and then you get to a Zeppelin on the roof. That's that's it. That's the game. It's like, it's like Spy versus Spy, except you're not trying to kill each other. 
this game really wove me a fantasy of a world of abstract, gorgeous crime. And that's why we're going into the Fantasy Zone. Dude, we- dude, 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 dude. <laughs> I was about to sing the Mario song. <laughs> ready? Many more battle scenes will soon be available. Get ready. So, here in the Fantasy Zone, we talk about the story, the sound, the graphics, uh, and and all, all that stuff relating to the fantasy that this game spins for you. And the fantasy of this game is pretty cool. I love the graphical style. Everybody kind of looks like they're a plastic toy with, like, floating floating limbs and stuff. Uh, it's really, really, really distinctive. Yeah, and, like, I was coming into this game thinking it had a lot more personality than it ended up having, having in terms of text, but it has a ton of personality in terms of the graphics, and they're all so jaunty, and, like, the little... Okay, so, you're the, the Mobo and Robo leaning up against a wall, peeking around it, kind of, ready to shoot with their little stun gun, and then if you stay there too long, a little fly will land on their head and they have to smack it. I love that. Like, it's got so much personality in that way, and it's even more so in the arcade version. It's unlike many other things, like that plastic look and everything's sort of rounded, and like, everything looks pretty harmless in a way, which I think lets you do the heist thing without feeling like you're fucking murdering people, (laughs) which is ideal. Police are not people. These are private security, so I don't know where you stand on private security. Yeah, private security, you could take a hike. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of private security or moonlighting police, though, so... Uh, oh, they not- weren't racist enough to make it to the real police. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> ah, shit. Well, I work in private security. No, I don't. <laughs> but anyway, this game has a ton of great little little animation. Like, some of the guards, as, even, as a game mechanic, which wasn't mentioned, will fall asleep sometimes. They, they'll, like lean on their nightstick and fall asleep and you can speak past them while they fall asleep. There's these dudes who run around with towels and they just kind of get in your way and when you they either get stunned or something, they'll like drop all the towels and you'll see all the towels fly everywhere. I, you said towels while we were playing and I had a realization later, those are plates and what, that, what oh. happens there, you shoot them, they drop the plates, the plates shatter and it notifies nearby guards. So it's a sound oh. thing. There are also sleepy dogs, mm-hmm. and they're they're little. They look like little rot robots, little red robots, but like made of balls, ball ball bot robots, and make a terrifyingly painful sounding yelp when you stun them, which is like the most unpleasant single thing in a video game I've experienced recently. What well, one of the things I love is there's like the green guys that if they spot you, they start panicking and they have a lot of sweat bubbles and they don't really want to shoot you, which is, like, so clearly, like, the security guard that's in too deep. Like, I didn't sign up for this shit. (laughs) And I love that the the guards that they spot you and they shoot into the air to notify everybody else first. Uh, Like, that's so great. And and I think those might... The ones you're talking about, Rudy, might be the ones who don't shoot you, but they come and hit you with the gun. Like so I've been smacked with a gun before. <laughs> uh, both these the were and the green the, ones. They only did that. the upset thing when they were in the arcade version. I didn't notice it in the, in the Mega Drive Genesis version. 
both the green and the blue dudes will sometimes hit you and sometimes have guns and shoot you or do both depending on how close you are to them. That's okay. I have to mention this though. So in the Genesis version, all of the um, shield fuckers look the same in terms of color. Um, but some of them have guns, and you have to look to see if they have guns. In the arcade version, I don't remember the colors, but they are different colors. I think the white ones have guns, and like the regular blue ones don't, or something like that. So you can differentiate really simply. That was something that, that bothered the hell out of me, just because I didn't never know if a shield idiot was going to shoot at me, or if, or if they were going to charge at me. And that's a very, very, very big difference. I like when if you are pressed against a wall for too long, a fly will appear and land on your head, so you have to like slap yourself to get it off. I wonder if that was at some point a mechanic that would alert the guards because you had been sitting in one spot for too long, pressing against a wall. Uh, maybe that's obviously pure speculation, but it happens so consistently and so frequently, it made me feel like it should have a mechanical importance. Either way, it's a missed opportunity. Speaking of, like, mechanical importance when hiding, um, in a a couple of the levels, like, most of the time you just press up against a wall when you're hiding, but in a couple of the levels, something different will happen. Like, there's a, uh, in the lab level, there's robots, and you'll pull off the head of one of the robots, and you'll stick it on your head to, like, hide as, like, a robot. And I think in the department store level, there were melons and you'd hold the melon in front of your head. And it was, it's, it just makes me smile thinking about that. I just loved that, that little animated flourish. So it seems like um, a lot of you had not watched the attract mode, which is the actual, which tells us the story of the game, where the fact is you are, you're, you are specifically robbing from uh, criminals and, and uh, banksters and, and hucksters. Uh, you're, you're taking the money back, uh, which makes, you know, I mean that's the biggest fantasy of all is that we can touch the one percent and get it to the, and get it to them, but not in the American version, Rudy. They rewrote my backstory to make me more acceptable for children's entertainment. Is the Mega Drive a track mode different from the arcade one? The arcade one specifically talks mm-hmm. about like you're doing these things. Yeah, well, in the Mega Drive American version, and I actually um played both because I have cartridges for both. Let's go with that. Sure. Whatever. So in the European and Japanese version of the game, it has that story. Yeah. You're taking all of these big rich people stuff in Badville. You're like these heroic thieves who are bad town. It's what I call America. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) I get fucked on America. (laughs) (laughs) That's like my favorite shit is like, heroic thieves taking from from rich people basically uh and in the american version that's not what you are uh there's there's a guy who owns all of this there's a guy who owns the department store there's a guy who owns the mansions there's a guy who owns the cruise ship there's a guy who presumably owns a pyramid the last level's a pyramid i don't know why it's a pyramid um it doesn't really fit either story but there's a pyramid and he's like i want to see how good my security is so in order to test my security, I'm going to have you steal everything. So you are stealing stuff at the request of the guy who owns it, presumably to return it to him after you've succeeded. And that just, it's just awful. That's the American version. That's what they, they changed for the American version, the Mega Drive version. And it is so disappointingly bad. 
But I know in the expanded Bonanza Brothers universe that that's actually a secret heist where they put all of the the stuff that they stole into a van, and then the van has hidden panels where they've created uh, uh, mock duplicates of it, counterfeits of it, and they swap it out before the owner figures it out. And then they return the crap and they keep the real stuff and they live the rest of their lives happily until Bonanza Brothers 12. Yeah, that's in the OVA. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, um, a little bit about the music. Uh, just it's really jaunty and jazzy and fun and bouncy. It's fun music, yeah. I had like I was watching a video of it just before we started recording to get myself refamiliarized with it, and I was like, oh yeah, this music is good. It's it's fun. It really has the vibe of like the fun Saturday morning cartoon feel of the whole game. Yeah, it's very uh, cute music. Also. Um... Something about like the graphics themselves, like the way the characters were all modeled, it gave me a vibe of like late '80s, early '90s, like 3D modeling. It, they didn't look like human beings; they were just like geometric shapes meant to look like a human, like an abstraction. I, that game really gave you that vibe, and it looks really cool. Yeah, like, especially the arcade version, because you can see these super high-resolution, super fluidly animated characters and every little detail on these bright, shiny, plasticky people. It just, it, it's so gorgeous. It offends me that anyone would play a game that's available on the Sega Genesis uh, Mega Drive on a console or an arcade cabinet that is not the Genesis because Genesis is the ultimate gaming platform and it does what all those others don't. That's just my piece. I thought I should say it now for all the Sega fans and files out there. All the big Sega boys and girls uh, that are listening. Thank you. What about the Master System version, Shrug? Uh, well... Hmm. I'll let you ponder that. So, uh... Shit. Any note? <laughs> any notes about... I have no principles, it turns out. <laughs> any other notes about graphics? Bonanza Brothers. Money for nothing. Get your continues for free. <laughs> Did we talk about yet how you can, uh... Smash people with a door and they get all flattened on the wall and shit? Because I, I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's that, very that pleasing. Rules. Yeah, that that rules. That's great. Oh, and also, if you if you hit like the guys with the plates with the door, the noise doesn't uh, alert anybody else. Oh, clever! And if you press them with the machines, they get pressed into these like beautiful plastic pucks. Oh yeah, there's machines in one level that you can crush them with, and they just get turned into big. Well, it looks like clay that's been smashed directly down. Like, it's great. Yeah, I love it. Looks like I'm stealing shit from Jigsaw's house. <laughs> Rudy's silent again. Rudy, 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 Leon. You come and go. Your mic don't work no more. Sorry. <laughs> Boy, you'd really think that there'd be no problems with you, with uh, the internet going over an entire fucking ocean. You'd think. <laughs> there you are. Welcome back. You, you missed my song about you. Oh, well, I'll hear it in post. But, you know, hey, we're talking about oceans, you know, carry, carrying things over oceans. At the end of each level, you get in a dirigible, and that rules. 
I love actually, you know what this says to me? You know how all like stuff where it's like, oh, the Nazis won always has dirigibles in it. This is uh, a reality where the Nazis won World War Two because dirigibles. No. (laughs) (laughs) Or well, Red Alert 2 had Soviet Russia fighting a war against everybody else. And that had dirigibles as well. So it could be one where Soviet Russia is. is Dirigibles can be blimps. They don't have to be zeppelins could just be a blimp i'm just saying like any video games that has like prominent blimps is like weird alternate timelines like, like or even no like time. man in the high castle maybe it's just cross brand synergy with steel empire also on sega genesis yeah alternate universes just have zeppelins i mean that's what uh empire of the air warlord of the air the michael moorcock book that invented steampunk except rich people are bad in it well, so, except except in uh in well in this game you are we're we are uh, we are taking from the one percent and that's the dream right so this is an alternate reality where we can affect change, ah, ha ha fun podcast. <laughs> if I'm understanding you correctly though, what you're saying is if all alternate universes have dirigibles and, and like war dirigibles and things like that, we're the only universe that doesn't have prominent dirigibles and blimps for transported war we're the only universe that isn't steampunk we the, landed <laughs> in the one which is means uh as terrifying as it is to contemplate we're actually in the best possible timeline right now that is truly terrifying because <laughs> nobody wants to live in steampunk it's horrible anyway um it sounds <laughs> to me like we've talked about the aesthetics of this game dirigibles yep. Red Alert yep. 2. Let's talk about Red Alert 2 for a while. I, that was my favorite I, RTS. I don't, I don't I don't know if we're not living in a steampunk world. Remember that bar on that episode of Bar Rescue? John Taffrey turned it into a steampunk themed bar. No. I think it closed down cuz Okay, it's we're talking about we're, we're talking about Bar Rescue. I'm going to move us on to the labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Ramona. Look, this podcast shut it down. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, let's get into the labyrinth. Let's let's solve some mazes. Let's solve some maze puzzles. Labyrinth, labyrinth, labyrinth time. Here in the labyrinth zone, we talk about sort of meta stuff about the game, uh, research about the game, maybe different versions of the game. Maybe stuff from the game's manual, if anyone's looked that up, that seems to be where this goes. Uh, Just generally stuff about the game, but not really part of the game itself. Yeah, this game was influenced by uh, a game on the Atari 2600 called Keystone Capers. Uh, In that game, you played as a mob where you chased a criminal and also uh, reclaimed all of the stolen property. So it's like an inverse of Bonanza Brothers in that way. And also why it kind of has like that uh, Western, I guess like Western designed aesthetic to it, like the way it's like split screen and, and all of that, as opposed to like a traditional like single screen deal like you see in a lot of, of Japanese games of that era. That's a really good call because I remember my my dad talking about Keystone Capers being one of his favorite games on the Atari. So when I found Stella, the Atari 2600 emulator, that was the first thing I did was, well, I downloaded the entire Atari library, which I think you could probably uh, fit on a shard of a micro SD card. Anyway, um, was I loaded up <clears throat> Keystone Capers and I was like, holy shit, this game rules. It's so fast. 
and like yeah th- this is definitely even if even if there wasn't like a source saying that this is definitely inspired by keystone capers i like it i thought the exact same thing as the two of you actually because uh back on game tap remember game tap some of you had game tap i know that much it was like netflix for games except it was before netflix was netflix for ne- netflix oh i remember game tap yeah, yeah. i had I like a demo have it but I remember the commercials with uh, Professor Utonium doing the narration. Yeah, so I had GameTap for a year, and they had Keystone Capers, and it was one of my favorite things to play on it. And I was like, I think I was 11 or 14 on the leaderboard for Keystone Capers for like an entire month. Damn. I would play it so much, because I loved Keystone Capers. Yeah, I would never have made that connection on my own, so I'm glad you brought that up, Ramona. I have. I want to tell everyone the reason I picked this game because it's super not clear from the way I've been talking about it. <laughs> um, I picked this game because I follow somebody who goes by Moon Hotel on Twitter, and they, for a long time, were running a Bonanza Brothers roleplay blog on Tumblr and on Twitter, sort of. And I followed it, and it was great. It's very charming, like. The Bonanza Brothers in this are extremely charming. Um, and so I kind of thought that there was some of that coming from the game, which I never had never played, and, you know, I just thought this would be a good opportunity to play around with it. Turns out that the person writing all of this stuff just injected it with tons of personality on their own, and there wasn't really much of it in the game itself, which was a disappointing to me, but I am glad we played it. Unfortunately, with the implosion of Tumblr after you know, anti-porn days and whatever. It looks like that blog is gone. It's been deleted. It was probably tagged for adult material, even though there's literally no adult material on it, and they just let it go. So I'm sad about that, because I can't find any of the archives. I really enjoyed that. So anyway, that's that's that. You can still find the Bonanza Brothers Twitter if you just Google Bonanza Brothers Twitter, and there's a special site that only has like three entries. I miss it. What I like about this is that it's basically like the framing device of the Princess Bride novel, where, like, somebody told you a story was in a book, and then you actually read the book yourself, and you found out that wasn't the real book. Yeah. Oh, man, this game would have been so much better if it had Andre the Giant in it. (laughs) (laughs) Just take... Okay, clip that out, and put that in every podcast we record, because that's true of every game. (laughs) I wonder if Andre the Giant was still alive, how much would his likeness rights be going for? This is something I wonder about often. Uh, it goes for it goes for quite a bit because his he has an estate that runs all of that, uh, all of his likenesses and stuff. I bet it would be more if he was still alive, though. But what are the chances with you know his very specific medical conditions? The chances surviving to this point are pretty minimal. It's a sad story. You know what I wondered about? I wonder if the Bonanza brothers are like biological brothers, like brothers brothers, or are they brothers in crime? Are they thief brothers? Do they belong to a brotherhood of philosophy and of stealing action? In which case... If they, if they are the latter, are they fuck brothers? <laughs> They're not fuck brothers, Shrek. No, no, they no. took a, they took a, no, like a Lube and Guan Yu. Are you absolutely, I mean, 
Yes, they're related. absolutely certain they're not. They're one hundred percent. It's one hundred percent the 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 archetypal tall brother, fat brother. I they don't like any of those terms, but it is. We know that Pocky and Rocky are full cell. Okay, let's just get that out of the way. I just, I think in the American version they're called Iggy and Spike. I remembered that. No, they're called Mike and Spike. They're called Mike and Spike, like Mike and Ike, but for and they crime. named they named Mike and Spike seemed too aggressive for candy brand, so they changed it to Mike and Ike. And our your favorite movie theater candy was born from Sega. Say thank you to Sega next time you see Sega at Thanksgiving. Thank you, Sega. You want to hey. hear me shake a box of, box of Mike and Ikes? No. I have some Mike and hey. Ikes right here. Sega okay. of America, your choice of name sucks. Also, stop putting Virtua Fighter 2 on fucking everything. God damn. <laughs> okay, I do have a couple actual like research notes I did about this game for real, though. I mean, this is all real research, but couple things. First of all, everybody says this is based on the Blues Brothers. I'm pretty sure that's true. I just from a gut feeling, but I don't actually but like it seems pretty obvious they're based on on the Blues Brothers. Uh secondly, this game got ported to fucking everything, which is really wild to me because I believe the Genesis came out in 89, right? Yes. Um, also, yeah. if it's based on the Blues Brothers, how come there wasn't a level where we stole from Nazis, specifically Illinois Nazis, the worst kind? <laughs> Why was the level where we stole an entire culture's music? <laughs> <laughs> That's the real bad town. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, that's an excellent point, though. Um... The thing that I found really wild is like, okay, Master System port in ninety. There were Sonic. There were multiple Sonic the Hedgehog games on Master System. That's not weird. This got on the Turbo Graphics, specifically the Turbo CD. This was on the ZX Spectrum, ZX Spectrum. I don't Wait, know. Not not the Turbo Graphics, the PC Engine, the American. It never got ported to America, but yeah, it got on the ZX Spectrum. Sega puts their stuff on PC for some reason. That's just the thing they did. I, they put half of their best Saturn game, not, maybe not half their best Saturn games, but a bunch of their best Saturn games on PC when the Saturn was still semi-viable. I don't know why Sega did stuff like that. But what's really wild to me is, is uh, the PC engine is a competing 16-bit system. And they put it on there. Was it just because it was doing better in Japan? I I don't know. And Double dip. Do you want to know a secret? There's a version of Afterburner for the Famicom. And Space Harrier. Yep, the Space Harrier was also on the PC Engine, as well as Fantasy Zone, which was also on the and, Famicom. And Shinobi. And the Shinobi first time I... and uh, Alien Syndrome, and a lot of games. It, it's kind of bizarre oh. how Sega was like simultaneously a first and third party developer at one point in time. No, Sega just likes money from licensees. Like fuck, fuck you, M- money, money speaks no, money speaks all languages. Why wasn't there a more Mario 64-like Sonic the Hedgehog on the Wii U? <laughs> oh my god. Different podcast joke! Anyway, one thing that's really cool about that version difference is, first of all, it's closer to the arcade version for some reason. That's weird. Uh, second, it's a CD game. And uh, as a CD game, it has amazing CD-quality music 
that pipes through through the entire game. That sounds really good, and I'm going to probably use in this podcast just because of how much I like the sound of it. Um, I'll probably use Mega Drive Genesis music too. But right here, this is from the PC engine. Anyways, I have an important point to make. That the, the, the pyramid level, the final level, takes place in the Bass Pro Shop Pyramid. You can't prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you mean it takes place in the largest pyramid in the world? That, that pyramid isn't big enough to hold, you know... The, 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 the... It's the largest pyramid in the world. I'm saying the level the level isn't accurately big enough to reflect uh, the Bass Pro Shop Pyramid. There was not a a a a unit of memory that was large enough to hold the Bass Pro Shops Pyramid when this game was made, so they did their best. I mean, unless it was like the Neo Geo. Well, not even. That pyramid has a lake in it, by the way. Well, yeah, you have you want to go fishing when you when you go when you leave your hotel, which is also in the pyramid, if I believe so, if I remember correctly. You need to test out your new bass fishing pole somewhere, so. I think, I think they have a bowling alley there, too. Oh, are we talking about the Bass Pro Fishing Shop? Oh, that would have been a great Bonanza Brothers level. It is a Bonanza level. <laughs> <laughs> Rudy has just suggested a beautiful Fantasia in which the final level takes place in that gorgeous black monolith that scars the American landscape. Well, excuse me, princess. I had to answer the phone, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the real bad town. That glorious pustule that grows from our bad townness. But yeah, one more detail about the PC Engine version. The Genesis version cuts out the bonus levels from the arcade version, and the PC Engine version doesn't. Which is probably really important to someone. Yeah, bonus levels were kind of lame. Also, the Genesis version's also missing just two regular levels right out. But the Genesis version has that cool art gallery in it. Oh yeah, the cool art gallery with all the Sega characters and stuff on the paintings. It has a reference. It has two references to Aeroflash, a game nobody except for me likes. Well, Ramona, I have I have important news to brighten your day. Is that Super Potatoes uh, Mega Drive Corner? plays Aeroflash on loop, and it has for years. Nice. I like you, Super Potato. Is that just because Super Potato doesn't care to put other games in there, or...? It's a pretty good uh, attract mode game. I mean, if they could put in other games, you know, for Japan, they could, they could proudly advertise that they have a copy of the Ooze and they're gonna charge you a billion yen for it. Really sad fact, I googled Aeroflash, and it turns out you get Aeroflash crossover for the CW shows. Fuck, what's that guy's name? The guy who plays Green Arrow. Jason Lee. Wario. Anyway, trivia, the, the guy who plays Green Arrow on the CW also uh, has had at least two professional wrestling matches, and he was pretty good in both of them. There's your Labyrinth Zone. Oh. He got in some hot water because he was like, oh, I don't care about Beyonce. Also, cops are good. Cops aren't good. And also, my point is, I did as much research as I could. I can't find credits for who actually made the original version of Banana Brothers on... English or Japanese internet, and that, that sucks, because I'd like to know what this designer went up doing. The best I have is uh, 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 Kadoko Kiyuma, which did the design work for the Mega Drive version, and uh, she did a stuff, so she, she did a couple other things for other things, but that's the best I got, and that's the Samobi games. This game is a 
Big Void, there's not a whole lot of history about it online, and by not a lot, I mean none, because I certainly hit the books for this episode. It's almost like everyone forgot about it, because it's kind of not great. Oh, it's fine. It's a great game. Yeah, I really like the arcade version. They were in a Sonic Racing All-Stars, what's it, but not the sequel. Yeah, so was Ristar. No one gives a shit about Ristar, either. I love that little fucking star. Look, we we needed we needed to make room for Danica Patrick, the best Sonic character of all time. You're you're forgetting about Wreck It Ralph, who has always been the number one Sega character. You know, the best sponsor for a children's racing game is a web provider called GoDaddy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Okay, okay, he only, you only have proof that he shot one elephant, or was it a lion? It was it was an animal. It was on safari. I don't know. I see that Super Bowl commercial qualifies as shooting a second elephant. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> so yeah, that's what we turned up about this game. Mobo and Robo are still okay, alive. So Stealing so from the rich. Given to themselves. Heck yeah, now they're the 1%. Now we can steal from them. Steal from them. Steal from them. <laughs> Uh, there's nothing this I feel sort of silly for picking this game. I should have I like but it was going to be this or it was going to be fucking Sonic the Hedgehog too. So those were those were I don't play Sega games. Sorry. Okay, so we, we've talked about Bonanza Brothers. Have we brought up the extended Bonanza Brothers universe of games yet? I have yeah. a little to talk about. Yeah, so this game got a couple sequels, but none of the sequels play like it and all the sequels kind of play like each other. They are puzzle-based minigame collections for the arcade. Do you steal shit somehow? No, not at all. Can you steal the cabs from the arcade if you want? I mean, if you're really, if you're a true Bonanza bro. I always go to the arcade with a furniture dolly, I don't know about you. (laughs) Maybe you're just really strong, like a really powerful individual with big muscles. Okay, but I, I still need a dolly to get it upstairs and, you know... And a large it just, coach. It just makes it easier. If there was two of me, and we had a really, really... If we had a 12-foot-long trench coat, then yeah, I would do that. Hey, anyways, Bonanza Brothers side games, you were saying? Yeah. One is called uh, Tant-R, and one is called Indicant-R, is that right? I think that's it's, right. Uh, it's Itchy Dent-R, and there's Itchy also... Dent-R. There's a third one, uh, Sando-R. Yeah, and... I played a bit of Tanto R's uh, Genesis version, I guess Mega Drive version, because it was never released in the United States. It's, I don't think, yeah, it never was. Uh, well, uh, so, uh, at least not on the Genesis. Not on the Genesis, yes. It got a release uh, on the PS2 through the Sega. I don't remember the name of the collection in America, but it was part of the 3D Ages, the 20, the 3D Ages 2500 line for for, for a second. Uh, it was one of the initial volumes before Sega was like, "Hey D3, you're picking a bunch of shitty contractors and you fucking murdered a Golden Axe in cold blood. We should do something else." And uh, the basic uh, mode of gameplay is you can play with up to four people, and you get a randomly selected mini game, which is some kind of puzzle challenge. Like there was a thing where a 3d shape is assembled out of blocks and you have to say how many blocks are in that 3d shape, say that kind of thing, just little puzzly things like that. And you have to complete those under a time limit. And you're trying to, I think, keep playing this game as long as possible and try not to lose all your lives before everyone else playing loses their lives, you want to be the last person standing. 
so the 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 most important thing about so there's sort of like a spectrum of arcade game uh arcade games and the original bonanza brothers sort of sits on a side where it's like you can play this and you can you can learn this game and uh in the discord someone earlier had posted like a counter stop uh one cc of the game and it's like you could you can master the game with tant r and itchy dant r and sando r these games are about enticing you in and then when you're not looking it just reaches into your pocket and it steals your money the second you start doing good the game's like oh hey i see you you you're feeling lucky i'm going to shoot the rank way up your ass you're going to have a game over throw another 100 yet coin asshole this is this is the arcade experience it's pure pure uncut arcade i mean i've played konami beat em ups yeah, th- th- no those games are actually easily exploitable but yeah, I'm not going too in depth on these because there is a non-zero chance that this will be covered in a in a secret live episode that is probably very secret. Uh, it's my leading candidate for it. I'll probably be talking with some other people about that, but I would like to cover these games in some more detail uh, in some different circumstances at some point because they're neat, even if they they kind of kick your ass at some at, at later. They're kind of a connected to the larger phenomena of the tr- of the quiz game that was a big thing in Japan for a while and uh they also kind of prefigure stuff like WarioWare. Well well Tigris you've already signed up to do this podcast forever so you'll eventually cover every Sega game, you know, with the expanse <laughs> of time. Yes. You can never stop. Yes, I'm I'm sure doing the math right now if I got get these out like clockwork once a month, which is my current schedule, I will have enough weeks in my life to cover every game on a Sega system ever made. Yeah. And that reminder of the crushing weight of time has turned me to thoughts of death. Or rather, the death egg zone. Hooray! The Hooray! egg of death. This is where we all die. I'm dead now. High five. Yeah. <laughs> High five, Skellington Vania. No, no, you'll 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 live if you go up to the edge and while he's standing there and you and you spin dash and he just dies immediately. Nope, I'm in a grave now. <laughs> just chilling in this in this coffin. It's great. It's it's nice. You're and holding up to get a, holding up to get away from the bullets. It's mm-hmm. a it's a great bullet dodger. You weren't supposed to stop pressing the button to spin dash. You weren't supposed to actually spin dash. You were just supposed to wind it up. And then since you actually spin dash, you died. Because you didn't have any rings. I died to Metal Sonic. And then when I, I came back, there weren't any more rings before Metal that's, Sonic. And that's now... not Metal Sonic, that's Mecha Sonic. Metal Sonic <laughs> oh, is God. <laughs> okay, okay, these are all things you'd find in a death egg. So, uh, what we also have in the Death Egg Zone, behind, besides uh, Meta and Mecha and Metal Sonics, are um, our final thoughts on the game. I'm going to ask everybody what their final thoughts of the, on the game are, and what their uh, rating is. Their standardized rating of 1 to 7, Cans to Trip On. Hi, it's me, Shrug. I'm still here. I'm still queer uh i understand if you're not used to it i would like to give this game three out of seven cans to trip on i tripped over all seven of the cans though because the jumping is pretty sloppy at least in this version of the game 
that's fine, it's a short game, and it's forgiving in its sloppiness. That is what I have to say about this, forgiving in its sloppiness. Forward thinking in many ways, uh, it's just, I'm so tired, it's just kind of weird, you know? I want to steal an arcade cabinet. I'm glad that these boys are out here being bald and not being fuck brothers. We've established that. It's fine. I can let go of that. It's an okay game once you get used to it. I had to replay part of it because I accidentally... I fumbled a little and accidentally reset my fucking deal. And I'm like, I think this game is short. I can beat it. I'm going to restart. So I did. And things went pretty smoothly. It's fine. It's, I mean, it's fine. It's just fine. Everything about it is fine. In a mushy way. They're not fuck brothers. Thank you. They're not fuck brothers. They're not fuck brothers. They're not. They're biological brothers. It would be weird if they were fuck brothers. So, it's safe for your kids. It's not some Game of Thrones shit. There aren't any dragons. <laughs> Zero dragons, three out of seven cans to strip on. Thank you. I think the game's okay. I think it's a neat concept. I think there are ways it could have been done better, but we'll never know because Sega will never make a sequel to it or anything neat. So I'll give it, I'll give it four cans, but also the fact that one of them is tall and one of them is, is small uh, makes me think of the movie Twins, and I like that movie, so I'm going to give it an extra can. So five cans. Well, first of all, uh, just some important news. Uh, in the time Shrug was giving his review of the game, I managed to go online, order, and purchase a PlayStation Vita for myself. Uh, anyways, my so review you, of you this know, game is that it rules, and it's amazing. Do you, do you know that you're an anime pervert now because you own a Vita? Oh, I was an anime pervert beforehand because I also own PSP. <laughs> but anyways, Bonanza Brothers, uh, this game is great. And not necessarily just because of like childhood nostalgia, but on its own merits, it's a lot of fun. It's very cute and charming and you know bright and colorful, like the Sega games of that era were. And my final score is a seven empty soda cans out of ten. And... Uh, five run over Illinois Nazis out of five. Very, very prestigious rating. Indeed. So first, uh, when Ramona gave that punchline, this is a little late, so, uh... Oh! <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, we can, we can, you can fix it in post. We can just put air horns everywhere. Air horn, air horn, air horn. Particularly that bit. So, the Mega Drive version, specifically, three out of seven hands, but the greater Bonanza inverse and on the scale of the Book of Mega Drive and, and Snexploration and Untitled Gaiden Project, like, the, the games we have played, we've had to play for an hour have maybe skewed my, my, my brain a little bit, but this was such a pleasant game to play, and I would be happy to give it another hour of my time, and I probably will, maybe today, maybe, maybe a different time. But it, it is a game I will happily return to for five to ten minutes and be like, "Yay, Bonanza Brothers!" And I play for a couple uh, for a credit or two, and then and then I get the game over screen. And I go, "Okay, time to do anything else." That was great. So so the Mega Drive gets three cans, uh, and I give six out of seven cans 
to the concept of Bonanza Brothers. <laughs> Thank you, Shrug, for that. Uh, not since not since the game for exploding heads have I been so happy for a video game review scale. Um, I, right. I mean, they're kind of the same thing when you think about it. Cans with air horns versus exploding heads. Yeah, I think it's about the same. Air horn, air horn. I thought this game was fine. I wished it had more depth. I think that it would be for another me who had more time to play games that aren't Wolfenstein, which I just finished and I was very excited about, or No Man's Sky. <laughs> Those are the two games I'm playing. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was just fine. It didn't. It it, it was very pleasant though to play. Like it felt very pleasant to just sort of exist in. Um, and to play around with. I didn't feel like it was demanding too much of me. When I died, it was annoying, but not frustrating. When I succeeded, it was pretty good, but not exhilarating. It just sort of existed in that middle ground uh, without being offensively boring, which is, of course, the worst sin you can make as a piece of media. I give this game... I give this game four out of seven cans... Yeah, yeah. Did we talk about how you kick cans? Yeah, anyway, it's not boring. It's not a boring game. I like it. It's fine. <laughs> and uh, as for me, I think I, I pretty much agree with the critical consensus here. I think this is a really pleasant game to play, um, especially the arcade version. I, I really like the ideas it's playing with, and I kind of wish they were a little bit more refined. But again, in the arcade version, they feel a lot tighter, and they feel a lot easier to learn and exploit, and they're extra f- fun there. And I cannot recommend highly enough trying to play this game co-op with another person in the room, because there were moments when I was doing that where this game just really started to feel like something special to me. Like, just... There's not a lot of co-op experiences where it's not just, like, both of you are doing a thing and you're both in the same space. This game has mechanics designed to feel that way. I also love the aesthetics. I feel like it... it it's it's the kind of aesthetic you that, that I really feel is a, a very Sega sort of aesthetic, where there's so much style just exploding into your face, blasting into your face with this game. Uh, and it's just so memorable and, and aesthetically great. And the thing in the sequels is they carried that aesthetic forward. They definitely thought that the aesthetic was the strongest part of this game, which maybe it is. But I thought it was is real, real fun. I'm gonna give this one. You know what? I'm feel. I'm always the generous one. I'm giving it six cans to trip over out of seven. <sighs> Which we didn't get to mention in Blast Zone that there's things, various things that you can trip over cans and bananas and and uh, uh, rakes, and that's a really fun comedic timing thing of of uh, of introducing the player to a mistake that they didn't know they could make. Yeah, that's great, and we should have mentioned it. And we did, now. More like the Bananas Brothers. No, the rake thing would have led me into a childhood story. It would have taken like 15 minutes. It's good. good (laughs) Sanity, at least. Hold on. Are are there any other video game consoles I can look up during this time frame? Like that this was on? Do you mean to buy? You could could buy a Wonderswan if you don't own one. That is true. You you, you have to buy a a Swan Crystal 
That's, that's, that's the best one. Yeah, I heard. I, I saw that on an episode of Metal. I didn't Jesus mean Rock, to do YouTube this, Tigress. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you could get a Neo Geo Pocket Color. Well, you, you should already own one. I, I, I'm a guess that everyone doesn't already own a Neo Geo Pocket Color, considering it is the one portable Sega supported after the Game Gear died. That is not Nintendo. Anyways, only. Tiger, it's been great seeing you. It's been great on the yeah. podcast. All right, later. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, that's that's been... Wait a minute! We have an end thing. There's an entire end spiel. That's too late. Rudy's gone. He went on a Hooters road trip. <laughs> oh, you should you should buy a copy of that. So yeah, you've been listening to the book of Mega Drive. I'm Automatic Tiger. Uh, you can find me at uh, on Twitter as Automatic Tiger and the Select Button forums as Automatic Tiger. And you can uh, find the podcast itself at Book of Mega Drive. If you want to be found, folks, where can we find you? It's me, Shrug. I'm Shrug on the forums. I'm at Shrugopolis on Twitter. Uh, I have some tabletop games, shrug.itch.io. Give me tiny amounts of money to experience the being a apostasy in a religious community. Very exciting. Uh, I'm on Snexploration on this very same feed sometimes. I'm on No Rangers Allowed being a dwarf with the erstwhile Tulpa and the lovely Miles and the wondrous Gary, and Cuba's okay, I guess. Maybe I'll be awake when we record tomorrow. Who knows? I think that's everything. Help. I'm not going to give you any contact information, because honestly, you shouldn't want to hunt down my opinions. They're all terrible. Hi, it's me, Ramona. You can hit me up on my website, LonelyFrontier.net. You can find me on Twitter at Ramona underscore LF. If you're on the SelectButton.net forums, slide into my DMs at Lonely Frontier. Uh, you can buy my games at AquanautsHoliday.itch.io. My birthday's in two weeks, so please give me money. Thank you. Hi, I'm Rudy. You might have heard of me on this podcast. You can also hear me on HingeProblems.com and read some articles on hingeproblems.com and find me on the Twitter at Tokyo Rude if you need to hear me chronicling the death of video game stores in Japan, which is too late. They're all dead. Hi, I'm, I'm Vasilkania. You may know me from the main feed of this podcast, which is the Super Nintendo Exploration Squad, which you can find at SNES.Zone or SNExploration on Twitter. We haven't released the podcast in a while, but it's going to change soon. It's going to change soon. I promise. I lost the last one. Um, if you want to just think about me for a while, instead of the things I do, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Vasilcania. It's like Castlevania, but you switch the C and the and the V. And then I'm also on the select button.net forums as Vasilcania. And I stream on Mixer as well. Mixer.com slash Vasilcania. I'm I just I'm on the internet a lot, it turns out. That's it. Look, all I'm saying is, if one of these they don't boys are Danny DeVito, if one of them is Danny DeVito, they're definitely fuck brothers. In short, okay. this game is Sega's response to the Mario Brothers and Bonanza Brothers. You play as two criminals. I don't like criminals. I like plumbers. Aha, aha. Anyways, jump cut. The last, but you should see. My last plumbing bill. I think maybe plumbers are also crim- criminals because they, they charge charge they charge me a lot. <laughs>
because uh, you charge me too much. <laughs> well, I mean, we do know that plumbers don't wear ties, so at least they're not white-collar criminals. Oh, fuck. Okay, if, if we're accepting that one of the Bonanza brothers is canonically Danny DeVito, does that make the other one Arnold Schwarzenegger? No, the other one's also Danny DeVito. Stretch Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. Clone Danny DeVito. Okay, so then, so they're they're not actually related. So they could they could they could they could fuck but not be fuck brothers. If you if you're a clone, are you related to yourself? I feel like genetically you're a twin at that point. That's yeah. an excellent question, Vasilia. <laughs> but <laughs> the next game we are playing is going to be according to the vote which we had on at Book of Mega Drive on Twitter. That's where you vote for these. We already did the vote for the next episode, and the next episode is gonna be Pocahontas! Oh, Hi, no. internet! Yeah. You, you fucked yeah. up! You could have picked Tom and Jerry! <laughs> you know what we need yeah. to do? Love, love the colors of the wind. We should just watch Pocahontas the movie and Moana the movie, not the game. And then we can just compare and contrast those two. Did you just say Moana? Moana. Moana. We, they, a Moana, bunch of white people Joanna, comparing those Come movies. on, pretty oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> There's no way at the end of Mulan, you're thinking of La Mulana, the <laughs> Trab classic. <laughs> Jesus. I am, I, I am, I don't want to play Pocahontas. Too bad. But the internet fucked up. You, we, you could have voted for Tom and Jerry, and then we would have had to have watched Tom and Jerry the movie, which I was reading about that movie. It has nine musical numbers, and it's only 90 minutes long. I'm so excited to hear y'all talk about colonialism for an oh, hour. God. Oh, God. Listen, no. let, let's be real here. People only voted for it because they, they were expecting us to say something really messed up and problematic and get canceled. I'm going to reread The Wretched of the Earth. I'm going to rewatch The Last of the Mohicans. All right, what are we voting on? That's the thing. So, episode after Pocahontas, what we are going to be voting on is these three games, and I think we can find something for everybody in here. No whammies, no whammies, no whammies. I don't think we got any whammies this time. Yes. Uh, I, I don't believe you. Okay, here are the... And I swear to God, I did not pick these. I didn't even... I didn't... J- like Jimmy, any of this stuff. She juiced to die. This is just what came up. Here are what the three options for the episode after Pocahontas: Sonic and Knuckles. Hell yeah! Never nope. heard of it. <laughs> Shadow Dancer: The Secret of Shinobi. Dope. Oh hell yeah! And Strider Returns Journey from Darkness. Holy yes. fuck. No, no, yes. fuck that. No. Everyone, everything on Strider Returns. Oh. Everything on Strider Returns. All the chips. All the chips. Is the, is the robot gorilla in Strider Returns? All of them on there. Can we please, please play Sonic and Knuckles? Strider please. Returns. Strider Returns has the Bob Seal of approval. You need to vote for that game. You need to make these people suffer. You need to make them these people regret they were ever born with this game. You seem to not really like people that much. I fucking I watched I watched McCaw stream this game and it took him three hours to get through this game and it's only four levels long. Sonic Dude, and Knuckles, you, please. Spider, I'm quitting the podcast, and Lord knows this shit show can't stay afloat without me. <laughs> you, you are the heart and the soul, Ramona. And, and 
the hype woman. You're always keeping us on top of the the news. You know, iTunes number one. That's because of you and your 23 million followers. It's just okay, going to be me reading out of books about boners without you. So, <laughs> friends, friends, when 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 are we going to be able? When are we ever going to ever get a U.S. Gold game made without the knowledge of Capcom? Only because they have the license to release the game in Europe. The original short. Literally never. Yeah, US when are we ever more like U.S. old? We're like Bad Town. Bad Bad Town Silver. U.S. Gold is a company where every single word in it is a lie. Okay, well, see, they started out as a company. They were importing software from the U.S. into the U.K. I am aware of this. Yeah, so it makes sense in context. It's more like they just sort of dump toxic waste into the water supply. Okay, they didn't release Captain Planet in the Europe. Sega did, first off. More like U.S. piss. But yeah, do you want us to suffer? Do you want us to play Sonic and Knuckles? Do you want to play Shadow Dancer, The Secret of Shinobi, the one I know the least about off the off the top of my head? You get a vote. Vote on the book of Mega Drive Twitter. Follow us there. You can find updates about when the podcast is happening, and sometimes I put Sega stuff on there. Not a lot, but sometimes. And yeah, follow us there. That that's where you should go and and change our fate forever. For once, don't fuck the vote up. Do do the right thing. Make all these people suffer the, the greatest indignities that they will ever encounter in their video gaming careers. Ways you cannot even begin to imagine. Piss. For the record, I would like Sonic and Knuckles. Yes! Sonic, Sonic and Knuckles. Shadow Dancer. I got a lot to say about the Shinobi series. So if you want to if you want to hear me slowly slur my way through yet another podcast talking about shit I played as a kid, that's the one to go for. But also Sonic. I'm cool with either. You know. You know, it's it's your vote. You know, uh, you're not my property. I'm not your mama. Do what you want. Thank you for listening to the Book of Mega Drive. Thus, once again, a chapter closes on the Book of Mega Drive. Thank you for listening. Hope to hear you back. Let's uh let, let's Play that those great wave crashing sound effects now. Sega. Anyways, I made the joke while Bob was uh, talking about how horrible uh, we've played Funetaro. Nothing can touch us anymore. Yeah. I I don't know. Shredder Returns is pretty bad. Taro made me have an existential crisis about the creation of podcasts. <laughs> I own Strider on the Master System, motherfucker. Okay, Strider, Strider on the Master System is a more is more accurate to the original arcade Strider than Strider Returns on any system. Why would Strider Returns be accurate to the original arcade Strider? And Strider Returns. I reject your so whole. Wait. Wait, wait, wait a minute. So what you're saying is you're asking why wasn't there a more arcade Strider like Strider for the Sega Genesis? (laughs) Why wasn't there a more arcade like Strider Strider 2 for the Sega Genesis?